0: The 100-meter or 4 by 100 meter relay is the most reliant on transitions of any relay. You can actually stuff the relay up. You can have the fastest guys in the world. But if you transition, the baton transition is not right and a nice seamless flow, you'll lose. Now, your marketing can be the best in the world. But if the flow and the transition to the actual sale is not right. It's not seamless. If it doesn't maintain the momentum and the energy, then you're not going to get the sale.
1: Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition, or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Efforts. Today, I am absolutely blessed to be joined by my good friend, Steve Brosman. Steve, thanks for joining us. Mate, I'm excited to have a quick chat with you and share some stuff with your people. <laughs> well, yeah, Mate, you've been in this space for a while now. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Steve is a nine and a half times. <laughs> Amazon best-selling author in marketing and sales He's created several, several six and seven figure multinational businesses of his own, including inventing and marketing an environmental product which sold 4 million units in 26 countries. Now there's a good story there as well. Steve spoken in 15 countries, trained over 65,000 entrepreneurs, professionals and business owners to stand out in the market and gets to mastermind with international business leaders on a regular basis. Steve's new book, Flow, F-L-O-W. I presume that's an acronym, Steve. We'll find out more in a sec. Uh, Flow Selling is how to have clients in a hurry. Buy From You is out very, very shortly. and We're looking forward to the release of that. Certainly put it in the show notes. I'll link to grab that a bit later on. Steve, mate, good to see you. Mate, that is the half bestseller that's nearly, nearly
0: due. When you talk about being in this space for a while... I've selected the launch date of the book, the 23rd of August, which is the 40th anniversary of me opening up my first major business, um, a health club in 1983.
1: So. Um, You've done well for, but like, he's only 28 years old, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I opened the health club when I was three. So that's that's why. Yeah, no, it's awesome. We'll get into we'll get into that. But I know you first got into business. You you know in your youth, you were a professional athlete. and You were actually training for the Olympics way back, and you know you had a back injury which sort of took you out of of doing that. And that's how you got into the fitness space. Tell me more about that and how you sort of got to from from there to to where you are now and some of the lessons along the way. Yeah, and I, I was training. Uh, for the Olympics way back
0: then. And I thought that that was my journey, my path. I never really thought about too much in business at that stage, even though I actually did have a couple of hustles on the side. When I was 15, I had a surfboard making business. So I I guess it was always in the blood, but never in the goal to be there. And when I was going through rehab uh, and then started back into going to different gyms and that for some of the rehab, I thought, this is pretty cool. I think I could handle this. And I looked at what was going on and they were all virtually the same. And I thought, I think I could do it different. I think I could do it better because I was a pretty cocky young kid back then. And uh, so as soon as I was well enough and got it going, basically hopped all of my money, my sister's money who joined me and put my parents' house on mortgage and thought, this is a good idea. I hope it works. So... uh, (laughs) And that's that. what we did. We actually set it up different to everybody else. Is everybody at that stage was the the glam, the body beautiful, and the, you know, the lycra leotards and all of those sorts of things. And I thought, well, that's nice if you want to go for the 5% of that market, but there's 85% plus of those out there who need to go but don't want to go where that was. So I built, I built a whole health club without a mirror except in the change rooms. And so we capitalized on the market, and it was a very loyal market. Uh, we shared things with them. They brought their friends because it was a place that was not the same as everybody else. And so that was some of the learnings that I really
1: learned right back then, 40 years ago, that I still carry forward today. Yeah, I think some of those things you sort of point out there, I mean, it's, it's hard to think of a fitness facility, right, that doesn't have a mirror. On every single wall to look at you from every single angle, you know. And we're not all built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's in his prime. But you're right. You know, sometimes there's just some really minor tweaks in what everyone else is doing that suddenly opens up a new opportunity with a new market that you might not have actually thought about. Yeah, and I kept
0: looking at different areas and opportunities, and. This happens in every industry, and most industries look at their own industry to copy who's doing well, which basically means they're copying each other, which means they look the same as each other. And one of the first things that I did, and just the opportunities keep coming up. People just don't see them. My grandma was in a nursing home, knew that we did exercise programs. She said, can you come over and teach us ladies over here? Uh, An exercise program, I thought, well, what do they really need? So I started a program and they all loved it and they all loved it. And they told friends, I thought, there's a lot of people that are old. (laughs) It's a market. So we put out an exercise video, probably one of the first exercise videos out there, a chair-based exercise for seniors in 1983 and set up training programs across the state for departments of health. And it was like, it all come from a conversation. And I set up a kids' club. We had one club in the gym, 15 kids. And the school where two of my nieces were going said, can you come and teach a class? And I said, yeah. So I went out there and had 300 kids. At the end of it, they were sweaty, they were dribbly, they were laughing, they were having the best time of their life. And I thought, I can't fit 300 kids in my gym And off the top, I said, how many of you like to do this a couple of days a week after school? And they all said, yeah. And the cash register rang and I thought, yeah. (laughs) And from that one opportunity an idea, I franchised a kids club program into five countries. So from one simple class, it's like, well, okay, how can I take one thing, package it, and then send it out there? And that that really has um, held me in good stead in businesses ro- from then, 82,
1: 83, 84, right through to now. Yeah. One of the things I find interesting about entrepreneurship in general, right? And you talk about the ability to recognize and capitalize on opportunity, right? And I've always said that opportunity is just the preparedness and willingness to act. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: you mentioned, and I'll, I'll lead straight into the story now because I was just finishing telling a new business partner in America, is the environmental product that I invented was when indoor smoking bans came out and people probably remember there were cigarette butts everywhere and I just, I got to do something about it. Long story short, crazy brain, woke up one night and thought, cigarette butt, human butt. What if I put the two together and this is audio, but those who get to see and watch the video, I'm actually holding up something that looks like a tic-tac packet (laughs) with a human bum shape on it. And it was called The Butts Out. And it was again about how to take an idea and be different and take it out to the market. Now, my business partner and I, we invested a hundred thousand into this stupid, crazy idea that we sold 4 million into 26 countries. And the minute we put it out, three or four people that I knew said, yeah, I was going to do that. Yeah, I I thought of that. Yeah, I was going to do that. And I said, well,
1: why didn't put you on the line and go and do it? Yeah, I remember uh, my year 11 business teacher. Probably would have been 1989, 1990. Oh, yes, probably nineteen ninety. Well, it was either on the Year 11 or Year 12. One of the business assignments that I had to, that we had to do for our, my business class was to come up with a product and a business plan on how to market that product out to market. And I failed this assignment, which I uh, yeah, thank you, Mrs. Richardson, if you're listening to this. I failed that assignment. <laughs> the product that I came up with was um, was wax covered recycled paper produce trays. Right now, they weren't in the market at the time. <laughs> you yeah. know back in the back in the sort of late 80s early 90s it was all extruded polystyrene produce trays okay which of course were terrible for, absolutely terrible terrible for the environment and still are <laughs> i thought why don't why don't we do these things this is a go and uh anyway she failed me because she the short my uh my idea was was unrealistic <laughs> 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 yeah, and Little I- did I know, right? Little did I know for the 30, 40 years, 30 years later that, uh, you know, you can't go into a store anywhere without finding yeah. that discovered recycled paper. B- burn the textbook. Trying- that's what I say. Burn the textbook. But it is, you know, you're right, though. It is the, the thing about seeing an opportunity and going, okay, how can I, you know, potentially solve this in a way that is commercially viable? And that's probably definitely one of the key things, right? I think that's the real skill in entrepreneurship is that to take an idea and then market it and sell it, right? And then hopefully deliver it in a way that people want to keep coming back. But certainly the first hurdle that we need to cross is is how do we market and sell this, sell this thing? Absolutely, yeah, for sure. So yep. you've done that, okay? You've gone health club, right? You're seeing everyone smoke and everyone have to sort of suddenly go outside for, to smoke, cigarette butts everywhere, and quite thankful we don't see them anymore. You've developed this. Butts Out product, and that's the first time I've actually seen one, Steve, so thank for you for
0: sure. sharing Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> um, we've gone on to, you've got out of that as well, right? You're onto to some new ventures now, and and for the last, certainly as long as I've known you, you've um, you've been very much in this sort of sales coaching. Tell me more about that. The transition into that was, uh, I had a,
0: a fairly extensive career in television when I set up the kids' club. We were invited onto virtually every children's TV show. I had a two-year gig on one of the shows. And then I thought there's a better show, there's a bigger show. And for two years, I was creating it and pitching it. And we ended up, I hosted, wrote, hosted, and produced a TV show on, on Channel 9. And then appeared on international shows, fitness shows, adult fitness shows around the world. So in front of the camera, behind the camera, all sorts of different things to do with videos, presenting, et cetera. And then when the internet collided with videos, I thought, this is it, my nirvana. So uh, my wife and I actually packaged up and we taught the the first ever video marketing uh, courses in Australia, and we believe globally. And that's where it all started. And then Pam moved into books and helping people become Bestsellers and Pam's and then Pam's it was, your own partner, your wife. Yeah, Pam is my wife, and then it was the holy trinity I call of positioning, marketing, videos being the fastest way to be seen as an authority. Book is the most powerful and speaking the most lucrative because I've spoken around the world and sold seven figures from stage. So I thought then I went into authority marketing, and then for. About seven years, all of my clients and students kept saying, Steve, this is the best sales training ever. He's like, oh, this is marketing training. <laughs> and I said, don't you dare call me a sales trainer. <laughs> if you want to live, don't you dare call me a sales trainer. And then I couldn't ignore it because it all led to a, an easier and a better facilitated sale with, with the Blueprint Conversion System. It wasn't just authority marketing. It led to the sale, and that's where a lot of people in my mind go wrong. They focus on just the sale, but putting in my sprinter 100-meter hat, it's, well, how do you sell well? How do you run well and fast over 100 meters? Well, prepare well and consistently, start well, have a great middle, and the finish, you should be just maintaining the momentum to the finish, not struggling.
1: Yeah, but you've got It's almost like a process. Right? You've got a methodology about yeah. when you go hard and how you start and how you you know manage the middle of your race and what you do at the end, don't you?
0: Yeah, and where most people, in the last five to ten meters is the actual sale. It's the conversion. But if you haven't done the first part right and you leave it for the last ten meters, as in, I've got to get really good at sales, but I'm forgetting the first part. I'm forgetting how the person shows up at your doorstep if they're showing up with momentum and energy, then you just maintain that and collaborate and confirm instead of present and pitch. Usain Bolt, the greatest ever, never won a race when he was 10 metres behind with 10 metres to go. So you can't leave it to just the sale, the actual conversation, the a lot of people say the pitch and the close. It's the system that leads them to that conversation and how to have that conversation that maintains the energy. And I thought, you know what? Stuff it. I'm coming out of the closet. (laughs) I'm going to accept that I am pretty damn good at the selling part of it, mainly because of, and you've seen me over the last five years, absolutely geek out on the neuroscience of buying behaviors, et cetera not all the NLP techniques on how to sell better. It's the reverse, how to get people in a hurry to buy from you. And that there has made a massive difference in basically the lives in the business who take the transformation say, it's not about the pitch and the sell. It's how do I get to understand them? How do I get them to understand what they actually really need? And me to collaborate and be seen as that only solution to be able to deliver the results. And that is where I've ended up and said, well, you know what, I guess I will
1: accept the hat (laughs) (laughs) that I do work in sales. Do you think, I mean, I, you know, fail to me, you know, I've, I've often talk about marketing and sales being so tightly integrated that they're kind of difficult to separate. Whereas other people will go, marketing does one thing and sales does another. Right? And I find that, to me, that's a real disconnect. Right, and I suspect that's what you're hinting at here as well. They're so tightly integrated that if marketing is doing its job well, it is delivering a sales-ready buyer. If it doesn't do its job well, sales becomes a thing of convincing, right, rather than just a different exchange of energy. Right, and we're just exchanging attention, and now eventually going to see exchange dollars. Do you think that's why, I guess, contemporary sales methods are causing stress and costing people sales? Two things. I'll go back to the integration of sales and marketing and
0: the hundred meter or four by one hundred meter relay is the most reliant on transitions of any relay. You can actually stuff the relay up. You can have the fastest guys in the world, but if you transition, the baton transition is not right. And a nice seamless flow you'll lose. Now, your marketing can be the best in the world, but if the flow and the transition to the actual sale is not right, it's not seamless, if it doesn't maintain the momentum and the energy, then you're not going to get the sale. And if the person that's taking the batting doesn't understand the momentum and the energy and continue the energy into the sale, then you're not going to win the race. So the marketing and the sale is a seamless flow. And we've spoken before, I talk about funnel flow magic. It's the unseen. It's the flow, how to enhance and accelerate the client flow so that they're turning up at the doorstep with the momentum, with the desire to talk with that person, not just I've read a few things about them I've been educated along the way. Yep, I should go. When they are energized and excited, not educated, then they're going to be running to the conversation, knowing, seeing, believing that this person has something that they want to talk about. And they believe that they're going to be somebody with a great solution.
1: Yeah, I think that's That's the thing. You know, and I've certainly seen it on LinkedIn. I know you do a lot of work on. LinkedIn conversation around building that energy flow and not just delivering content, right? Building that they're buying energy as you as you talk about, which you know clearly does shorten the sales cycle, which is something we all want to try and do. Mm. But it is about kind of you know people don't buy from you unless they want to, right? And so yeah. you know you and I don't understand it. I right? say, so, what are you messaging for me? I don't want to buy anything. Oh my god, I haven't sold you anything yet. <laughs> I don't even know if I like you enough to want to buy from you know, and sell you something. But there's this kind of this almost irrational fear, I think, from possibly connecting with new people through social media on the off chance that they might try and sell something to you, right? When let's be realistic, everyone lives by selling something, and maybe if it's a really good fit, you'll buy it. But you're very much, you're very right there. I think it's about if you can create excitement and energy and enthusiasm for the thing you do. It's not about you selling anything at all. It's just about you deciding whether the person who wants to buy from you is a good fit. Well, that's where I'll go back to the F-L-O-W. And
0: when I wrote my book, Exceed, How to Exceed Your Own Personal and Professional Expectations, and there were some things in there and I was doing the research. And one was about the wind. And yeah, with your boys, that you coach rugby, any other sports person that you see or know, they could be knocking on the door of a win. They've got their seconds and their thirds, or they're just missing. But when they have that one win, then well, the next one and the next one and the next one will just come very quickly. And there's a lot of physiological and psychological reasons behind that. And Professor Ian H. Robinson, in his research, basically said, as animals, fish, humans, going through evolution, however we got here, whenever we had a win, which generally was we got something to eat, whenever we had a win, there was a surge of dopamine and testosterone. Now, dopamine is the reward drug. It's the feel-good drug. It also helps focus and motivate you, and testosterone gives you a surge of confidence. Now, turning that around and putting, how do I create wins in the sales conversations? How do I not just do the features, advantages, benefits, which is here, The next level above that is the quantified value to outcomes. How do we quantify that? But the next level above that is how do we turn that into a win so they actually feel the outcomes, they feel what it's going to be like when they have that and when you can choreograph wins into the funnel, wins into the conversation. It's like you giving me three doses of happy drugs and then about to take them away. It's like, you're giving me the feel-good. You've given me the focus, the motivation. you are given me the confidence to do something. Now, when you match that with other research that I got just three months ago, that 47.5% of people who go into a sales conversation do not clearly know what their real problem is. And you'd have seen this hundreds of times, that people turn up and say, I think I need this. And then when you're having the conversation, they <laughs> well, no, you don't. But when you're the person who does it right and opens their eyes to what they really need and they see that you understand them, then that's a win. Wow, you've lifted the veil. Now I know what I really want. And I actually now know that you understand what I really want. We should continue the next steps together. When that's an early part of the discussions, then that is a massive Part of the journey, they're, they're motivated that they trust you inherently with, wow, for the first time, I know what I need and I found somebody who understands me.
1: Mm. Yeah, so critical. And I, I presume when you get that, you, I guess you're removing most of the objections as well, aren't you?
0: Yeah. And one of the things that obviously we teach is when you're there's a little, Sales conversation flow, DNQC, data narrative, quantify, confirm. Most people, when they're doing a sales presentation, they just present, they dump a lot of information, then they dump some more. But when you give some good information, turn that into a narrative, which is a quick story that has the problem, the solution, and the results. And then you quantify those results. Most people say, oh, look, here's a story, here's a case study that I did. Aren't I good? But the next step is quantify what it would be like for that person to get those results. So, Tim, you've seen this person get, if we could do that for you, could you see that working for you? Yes, I can. What would it mean to you, monthly, quarterly, whatever basis, if we were to implement that? Would that work? Yeah. Then the C, we've gone through the D, the N, the Q, the C is what most people don't do. Is that a priority of yours right now? Is that something that you really focus and want to work on? So in the conversation, when you tick off, I'm about to put money in your bank account or give them a a win, and it's a priority of yours, you're ticking off any potential objection as you're going through the conversation. And so by being that person that's solving and creating what we call agreed implementable value, significantly greater than what they perceive they're about to pay, the rest of the conversation is, wow, he's already putting this much money in my bag. I can't wait to get started because it's going to cost me a lot less than I'm going to get back. And that's the psychology of having people in a hurry to buy
1: from you. Yeah. Presumably, that's not money. It's some other quantifiable transformation, whether it's weight loss, wellness- You well know, we talk about whatever whatever that transfer whatever that transformation is for that person, you've got to pull that out and yeah and quantify it. Yeah, financial and emotive. And you can quantify
0: what it means to them for whatever that emotive goal is, whether it's be and they don't just they don't want to lose the seven kilos. That's the bottom. They want to feel how that seven kilos will affect them. And the last chapter that I've just finished in the book is all about are you focusing on changing their mind or changing their state? Yeah, I really like that. That's a- People come to you suffering the impact of the problem. That's what they want fixed. That's the real pain that they want fixed, the impact of the problem, not the problem. It's like, oh, I need 10 extra clients a month. That's the problem. The impact is, I'm working longer. I'm not getting home. My business isn't growing. That's what they want. They want the state. They're feeling you know, frustrated, trapped, overwhelmed, unfulfilled. That's what they're feeling. And that's what they want changed. The state that they're in, where most people educate. And they say, I'm going to try and change their mind. i got to really educate them on what I do and change their mind. When you Focus on changing their mind and not their state. You're going to miss out on a lot of sales. Mm, absolutely,
1: Steve. absolutely bombshell nuggets and all of that. Right. I think that you know, one of the key ones for me there is, you know, you got that quantification process, right, and the confirmation, right. The real understanding of what someone's saying to you, just repeat it back to them. And if you get them nodding, they're going, "Oh my god, someone finally understands me." And it. Again, it builds that kind of influence, of that energy it says, I finally got to a place where I feel like I've arrived and I feel like people actually understand this thing that I've been struggling with for a while, right? And then the next question becomes really easy. It's like, well, where do you want to go from here?
0: Yeah. See, the thing that people hate about sales is, of course, that when they don't do that, is they're selling the box value. They're selling the hours that they do, the nuts and the bolts, the course, the videos, all of those sorts of things. They're selling the box value, which can easily be prepared. Now, the, the issue is the person that's coming into the conversation, the buyer, is expecting to pay as little as possible. And then somebody's trying to dump a box on them. And the issue that the seller has is I've got to push them up to understand the value of the box. That's the pushiness. I'm pushing somebody up to understand the value of the box. But when you go through our system and you go agreed implementable value, stop two, three, four times in a conversation and create that agreed implementable value and then you add it up at the end and say, well, Tim, by the look of this, if we put this into your business, you're going to be saving X number of minutes, X number of hours, reduce the stress and increase sales, retention, etc. by whatever. And that is way in excess of what you're about to ask them. The simple question is and you get them to confirm yeah that's right from what you've said here's all the numbers mate does it make sense we get started on this sooner rather than later yeah and because they've helped put the numbers on the sheet in front of them and we teach that annotate so the numbers are adding up in front of them you don't have to do it and is it, does it make sense we get started on this that point there, that question where they nod, they say yes, there can never be any more objections. They're only obstacles. An objection is an opportunity to say no. The obstacle is something because you've collaborated with them, you just continue the collaboration.
1: And yeah, so true. So true, Steve. I want to pivot the conversation a bit now because I want to drill into because, you know, as I said, there's so many nuggets in that. And I do like the, you know, how you said, as soon as you start selling a box, your box can be compared to someone else. And And that's not something we want to have at that point of sale. What's it, you know, what do you use? I mean, obviously, this is a system that you use in your business as well, but let's get into some nitty gritty, nitty gritty detail about a system that helps you get more clients, and in this case, with less effort as well. Yeah. So, you know me, I break tech. (laughs)
0: <laughs> they they often use me as a as a tech tester so that I could you know, I can get in there and do my thing and break it. I've got some great people. And I've got some fairly simple tech behind me. But irrespective of your tech, I'm going to give you a system that you could use no matter what it is. Now the first part of it is not only are uh, who are you, what's your positioning, and who are you as a potential authority. Get out of the brown box. Don't call yourself the same as everybody else. But then the next level is, how can you put out your own personal magnetic energy? How can you be the person that people want to come and spend time with? You add that to the buyer's energy. How do we excite them? And it's like two magnets. And I've seen it happen over again. Over again. When you don't have those two in place and you're bringing the two magnets together, people have a good sales discussion and then they get to that point oh hell i have to sell it's like they've got to change clothes change hat change persona the energy goes way out the window and it's the magnet coming together their energy changes the buyer's energy changes it's like what's happened to this person and it's like pulling two magnets together that are the same the power polar it, you just can't force them to it just repels When you turn it around and go that next step, it's like, well, what is my personal magnetic energy? Who am I? And how do I best communicate and be the person that people want to create a relationship with? That turns that one. And then you get to the conversation. You start going from empathy, understanding. I get what your problem is. You've got your solution. Let's collaborate. Then you get excited about, wow, look at what we're going to do, look at the calculations, look at the agreed implementable value. Your energy goes up, their energy goes up, you get halfway through, it'll snap together. So that's Mm. the first part. Be the prize, work on the energy and then build the energy before you get to the conversation. And I've built the 36-minute LinkedIn sales funnel, whereas the things that you're putting out there get a taste of you and your knowledge to build a relationship. The next step is if somebody connects with me, there's a very simple reply. Hey, great to meet. Can't wait to hear more about what you do. That's asking them into a relationship. Can't wait to find out more about what you do. By the way, here's a quick video. So yeah, I'll click on that or not. And as a gift, is something of mine that has some information, some more little videos, as creating a relationship. Now, they can think, wow, this guy's over the top. I can't work with him. Great, go away. Or they either fall in love or fall totally out of love. Sitting on the fence is no good. Lukewarm people you don't want to have conversation with. They will then connect and say, Steve, wow, love your stuff. Uh, can we book in a conversation? Might be a little bit of chat backwards and forwards. The link is sent. The minute they book, there's two options, again, to build the energy. If it's somebody that looks like they're going to be a great high-level client, they'll get a personalized video. Hey, Tim, saw so you booking for a call. Can't wait. Had a look at your website. Had a look at your profile. Got some awesome ideas. Can't wait to share with you. See you Thursday. Or a relatively generic one that doesn't use their name that I can just cut and paste. Now, all of that takes me, if they're going right through personally and automated, it takes around about four minutes to do that. Now, mm. that's boosted
1: the buying energy through the roof. Well, and when you suggest I'm just gonna sort of interrupt you there, Steve. Yeah, please. Just okay, because you know, you've got a lot of, I guess, assets, right? Marketing assets here. Right? And not everyone has Nine and a half Amazon best-selling books that they can throw into their pre-sales call process to kind of build that buying energy. What would you suggest someone use in place of something like that? Is it just a, is it just the video and skip the book, or is it a video and someone else's book? What would, what would you do instead? Yeah, I started off with one of
0: my books and just sent a couple of the most appropriate chapters. You build collateral that has enough information for them to see you as a leader and authority. Okay. So even just an e-book describing your process. So <laughs> water, Timothy. Don't ever call it an ebook. I had a discussion with a brand new business partner in America who does high-level books for people. And he they were still calling them ebooks. Ebooks have been tainted because they've been used as throwaway pieces of rubbish just to get people's Email addresses. And some of the ebooks are absolutely brilliant with some of the best content on the planet. But they're still just called ebooks. What's an ebook? My back pocket guides, and I my first one I spent longer coming up with the name for it than I actually did writing it because it is small, convenient, got some good information. It, does, it has perceived value. So whatever you call it, doesn't matter what it is, but don't call it an ebook. It could be a guide, it could be a something. And yes, a three, four page downloadable. Give it a high value title that people would want from it and have a piece of you in there. Always have a video of you in there because if they're going to do business
1: with you, then they want to see and meet you. To me, that's a that's a critical one, right? Even on the thank you page for the download, right? Don't just say thanks for your download, it's on its way to your inbox. You know, put a video of you in there that sort of says, Hey, like and, and be like drink 12 coffees before you do it. <laughs> you want I mean I've got a video, you want to be excited, right? You want to be kind of like, I'm absolutely thrilled and pumped that you've downloaded my yeah, you all know, right, on my white paper or whatever it happens to be, you know, my checklist, because you know, this is going to transform your life. And this is your opportunity. And how you Fun with it. I've got one that's on a registration
0: page after a webinar to come and buy something or come and join us or come and do something. And I'm just sitting there working on my laptop. And I said, fantastic. I just saw it come. Th- I was hoping you'd come along. <laughs> and you speak to the people, not at them. Because your video may go to a thousand, a million people, but there's only one person in the room at any one time watching it. So, you speak to the people, and it's just like, oh, wow. So, you come through. I was hoping you'd actually come through and work with. Can't wait. As if you remembered who they were on the webinar. Uh, And that's the thing is that's part of your personality. It's be
1: more of you. Don't try and be anybody else. the, The big takeaway from me here is just elevate, right? We've all seen, you know, when you make a booking for something, you get the. Little text reminder says, "Oh, your call is on right now," or "Your call is on tomorrow." We're looking forward to meeting you. It's so bland and boring and kind of brown box, I guess. To pull out um, Seth Godin's purple cow, you know, analogy that I read. Now, yeah, today, all, all the green. It does, yeah, you know, it, to- it doesn't take much to elevate and and no. be more than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And that that's the big
0: thing is people by people, and in this AI generated world, and the thing with AI is it can only ever write or construct something from something that has already been written. So it's already looking over somebody else's shoulder to deliver you what somebody else has already written.
1: Yeah. Because take- when the AI is delivering on top off the back of other AI content. That will come- Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So
0: be you and put your own personality on it. And a lot of people think, oh, I can't do videos. I can't do this. And if they want to write something down, write this down. It is your personality and passion, not perfection, that produces profits.
1: Absolutely. Steve, we're going to pivot again. We're going to run into having only take out an episode with a little quick fire round. And I want to ask you three or four questions here and let's see how you go. One of them is your top three books. Uh, so I'll start there. What are your top three bigs that you recommend to our audience and why you, I will allow you to pick one of yours?
0: <laughs> well, I've always got to go back to the first one that I ever read. And I, prior to that, I had sports magazines and comics or a book a decade reading program. And I read the first time, Think and Grow Rich, which is a good foundation for anybody to to do that. Um, One of the other ones... One Hill's seminal work, of course. Sorry? Napoleon Hill's seminal work? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, I could actually probably cheat. Um, One of my books was Exceed. And it's basically how you, as individuals, can exceed your own personal and professional expectations. Most people don't live up to who they are and some of the cookie-cutter things that are out there um, and this is just built on practical stuff that's got me through some pretty good, crazy, and unfortunate times. Now, a third book, I I don't really read too many books, but one that I've read a couple of times was probably one or two of Brunson's in their Secrets of, um, in their Traffic Generation. And, and I've just now, I can see the cover, but I've forgotten what the name was. But it was a, it's a fairly simple blueprint on how you can actually stand out, build your audience, and connect with your people.
1: And traffic secrets.
0: But, yeah, yeah, traffic secrets. And The thing with that is most people don't read books. They don't read the entirety of the books. And it's a matter of where do I go to get the shortest amount of most intense knowledge that I need at any particular time? And find yourself a couple of very good people. And I've got some great people that I follow with their research there. And I read their papers and it gets the right amount of knowledge in the short amount of time that I can just digest in, uh, in a 30 to 40 minute read. So I guess I've failed the answer to that, but it's a philosophy that where's the knowledge? How do I get it quickly? And how can I implement it?
1: Yeah, I like that, Steve. Actually, one thing I have taken away in the crafting of my own book, which I must admit has been on stall for a little while, from you was, you know, you, you've got to kind of, even in the book, you've got to sell the next bit. And one of the yeah. things I talk about in marketing is this 330 rule. I've got three seconds to earn the right for 30 seconds, to earn the right for 30 minutes, three months to earn the right for 30 minutes, to earn the right for three hours. And even within a book, right, if you ever think about writing a book, or a piece of content or whatever, you know, you've got to think this paragraph is earning me the right for my reader to read the next paragraph and then the next paragraph after that. And if any of they get too bored for too long, they'll opt out. Yep. Yep. And again, how 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 do we maintain the
0: energy in the book as well? And that's the real art and it's, uh, how do we keep that going? And everything changed for books for me when my wife said, Steve, why don't you put videos in the book? And my philosophy is give me a camera, not a keyboard. And so and I was like, oh, this is great. So here's some great information. Hey, here's me talking
1: to you about it. So how long did it take you to see success originally? By your definition of success.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and success is, and this comes from my book, Exceed. And I talk about momentum goals. Most people come in and they're they're big, hairy, audacious goals. How do we set a goal? How do we set a plan? How do we set a plan to exceed what is required every day? Where's the half a percent, the one percent is to do it? And then how do we hit that goal with such momentum that we slingshot on to the next one? So you are continually having the wins. Because you're then having that surge of dopamine and testosterone to slingshot onto the next one and onto the next one. And when we talk about success, there are so many, mini successes that we should have and celebrate to get that surge instead of having that big one goal where it's such a stretch that if you trip in the first couple of days, you're behind schedule. You're feeling the defeat. What have I got to do to catch up? What have I got to do to catch up? There's a science to be able to set the right momentum goal that you get and you smash onto the next one and onto the next one. So to me, when I was opening up the health club, securing the property was a win. Getting the doors open was a win. Getting my first X hundred clients was a win. Each one of those steps is success. And when you treat each of them as success, and not just the, the big then you will keep getting the surge and the momentum to go to the next one and the next one and the next one. And so success, a lot of people say success is a journey. Success is a continuation of a lot of pit stops. And a lot of people say, well, life is a marathon. No, it's not. It's a series of sprints. And unless you sprint, you don't get momentum. If you keep jogging slowly, you're not going to get momentum. You want to get that surge of momentum to get there. So my answer to how long did it take to get success? Um, going. Every day. Every day is a successful day, I guess. <laughs> you get out of bed, you're vertical and breathing. That's a
1: win. <laughs> uh, mate, what underrated tools are indispensable for your job? Underrated tools. What's that? What's a tool Other, you use that you know people go?
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. Other people's expertise are underrated tools. And here's a quick secret that I do every year. I pick three three words that my year is going to be. And this year it has been believe, grow, and leverage. Believe in myself. And you might think that, hey, I doubt myself. Yeah, sometimes I do. Believe in myself that I can and I am worthy of getting to the next level. Grow. Grow me as a person. Grow my business exponentially. And leverage. Who can I work with that are smarter in some ways, e.g. you and your systems? Who can I work with that are smarter in places that I'm not, that I could leverage so that we can both grow. So as a tool, maybe not a tool, but I tell you what, when you learn to work together and, and enhance it, enhance each other and leverage, yeah, you know, one plus one equals ten. Yeah, that's
1: amazing. Um, last question, mate, where can we find you online? I can silly say we can find you in the, you know. The easiest
0: uh, with your people is find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to uh, connect, have a chat. And if you do, you can mention that you found me from the podcast and I will answer with the typical cookie cutter-ish reply so that you could see and experience. But I'll also include a personal note and say, thanks for joining me from Tim's podcast. But hey, this is what I was talking about. So Steve Brossman there, Steve Brossman on Facebook. I don't really hang out too much on there. Uh, and if, I'm, I'm old-fashioned. If you send me an email, I'll answer it personally, steve at stevebrossman.com. Um,
1: we'll put those like, links in the shout-outs as well, but sorry, um, Steve.
0: Yeah, we're going to put some links in there so you can come and get a um, an early release or a uh, a launch release of the, of the book, uh, Flow. And if you're hanging around Tim, it will certainly go hand-in-hand hand with what he's doing with you. To uh, to create that flow, so uh, you're one of these people that would certainly appreciate what's in the book.
1: Awesome, Steve. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's uh, I really appreciate you candidly sharing your knowledge and experience over mate uh, so many decades of business and success. Um, and it's good to see you in good health and spirits as always.
0: Cheers, <laughs> Timmy. Thanks for this, mate. And uh, look, uh, keep up the great work that you're doing servicing your people. It's it's always amazing stuff that you do.
1: Thanks, mate. Okay, guys, thanks again for joining us on another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us again next time where we're going to share another fantastic insight and interview with an incredible business owner just like Steve. Look forward to seeing you. Hang out. Catch you soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.